Man, we are so glad that you're here. I want to welcome all of you here this morning. My name is John Anderson. I'm the campus pastor here. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to do that. We love it that you're here. I want to welcome you, all of you down here, those of you in the lobby, those of you upstairs. We're glad you're here. Hope you got your free popcorn with your seats up there uh, as well. Some of you are like, what? I didn't know about that. No. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. We love new people at Hope. It's why we exist as a church. You saw in that opening clip, that is a lot of work to get people to buy your sports drink. Uh, it is a lot of work to get people to buy Gatorade, but I want to show you that to ask you this question, and particularly that question that flashed on the screen at the very end, the one that's there before you, is it in you? Is it in you? And I'm not so much talking about Gatorade this morning as I am talking about God's presence, the Holy Spirit. These athletes get paid millions of dollars to show that how important it is to have hydration inside of you, to be filled up with their sports drink, and they make these epic commercials to ask that one question, all for that one point, is it in you? That's the question that I want to frame everything we're going to talk about uh, around this morning. It all leads to that question, is it in you? Not so much Gatorade, but God's presence, the Holy Spirit, is it in you? If I asked you this morning, have you experienced the Holy Spirit recently, what would you say? Not, not have you heard about it, not have you heard a sermon about it or sung a song uh, about it necessarily or heard somebody else talk about their experience of the Holy Spirit. Has it been real for you? Is God real for you these days in your life? Is it, is it real? Is it personal? Or is it just something that you hear other people talk about that they experienced the Holy Spirit? Well, the reason I ask is we're kicking off a brand new series today called Fire Up. Now, last night when I asked the crowd to say this, they were pumped. I know it's Saturday night and the place was hopping, but I, you've had your coffee this morning, so I think we can do this. So on the count of three, uh, all of us fire up on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I don't know. It was okay. How about just upstairs? Fire up on three. One, two, three. Oh, wow. See, there's just a few of them out there, right? Okay. How about downstairs? One, two, three. Okay, and everybody all together. One, two, three. Fire up. Awesome. Awesome. Man, it doesn't sound Lutheran in here. This is great. You guys are going nuts. Fire up is what we're talking about. The work, the, 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 the fruits, the power of the Holy Spirit is what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. Now, I know that because hope, one of the things I love about hope is that we're very diverse in a, in a lot of different ways, but one of those is diverse in our church backgrounds. Every time we do a new member class, I ask people, you know, what's your church background? And literally, it's about 10 or 15% Lutheran. And the rest is something else. And that's great. We love that. That hope is a safe place for you. Whatever your church background experience has been. When I talk to couples a lot, it's like, well, I was Baptist and he was Catholic. Or I was Lutheran and he was Methodist. Or I don't know anything about the church and I've been a, a lifelong Lutheran or whatever it is. And the reason I say that is because we're so diverse as a church. When I say the Holy Spirit... When I bring up that topic, there's probably 200 different opinions sitting here right now about what the Holy Spirit is or different things that come to mind. If you grew up Lutheran like myself, you know that yelling in church or singing or clapping or having drums or electric guitar, you're like, this is a little weird. And you come to Hope and you see people raising their hands. And you're like, that's a little odd because I grew up Lutheran. And you know that, that, that the spirit is Lutheran uh, you know, and, and all that. But the, the, excuse me, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is Lutheran. That's kind of how it works sometimes for some of you. This is a little weird. You've heard the Holy Spirit talked about, but you're not sure what it is. Others of you have maybe heard about the Holy Spirit or 
had experiences of the Holy Spirit, but it's always been kind of weird. It's always been a little, a, a, a little, a little odd and, and a little awkward. And who wants to be a weird, awkward Christian? And so you just kind of avoid it. And so I think as followers of Jesus, as, as, as Christians, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we kind of end up in, in two different ditches, just to paint that picture for you this morning of a road with two different ditches on it. I think a lot of us tend to fall into one of these two ditches, and Jesus is actually calling us down the middle. But the first ditch that we often fall into, I think, is that we do like to just avoid it, and it's easy to just forget about it. Everybody say forget. We just kind of forget about it. We, we push it to the side, because after all, as a, kind of the third member of the Trinity, because you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the three parts that make up the Godhead, the Trinity, as we call it, as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's kind of like the oddball. He's kind of like the odd cousin, you know? He's kind of always over there by himself. And a lot of you are like, I get God the Father, right? And we all have a Father that's a tangible presence in our lives. I can understand how God's the Father. You know, God the Father was the, the creator of everything. We read about him in Genesis. You're saying, I understand the Son, Jesus. Like, he literally walked this earth. He died on the cross. Like, I can read stories about him. But the Holy Spirit, or depending on what Bible you read, sometimes it's called the Holy Ghost. Some of you are like, ah, this is a little bit weird. It's hard to get my mind around that. And the Holy Spirit, I, I kind of I want to avoid spirits. I don't like anything to have control over me. I kind of like to be in control of my life. And so it's easier to just forget about it. And so that's one ditch, but there's another ditch that's just as dangerous when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We can forget about it, or on the other extreme, we can force it to be a certain way. Everybody say force. It kind of becomes this force thing where we want it to be what we want, and the Spirit can only move in certain ways. We say weird things like, we maybe never say them, but we think them, and depending on your church background or your experience with Christianity, we say, well, you know, we, if I'm going to be a part of a church, you know, this is what I grew up with, is we can only sing certain kind of songs. You know, and I remember when my home church is a very traditional Lutheran church up in Story City. I remember the first time that we got a projector screen put in the church, and you would have thought uh, we, it, it was blasphemy or something. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just outside the box, right? How, how in the world is this possible, right? And so we say, I'm going to sing a certain kind of song or worship in a certain kind of way, or some people are like, you know, you know pray in a certain way or do a Bible study in a, in a certain way, or if you weren't baptized in a certain way, or if the sermons aren't a specific way, or even, you know, churches should be a specific size and these types of churches are better than these types of churches and they have more of the Holy Spirit. And if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit and if you're really following Jesus, you'll do an altar call at the end of every sermon and you'll just say, come on, we got to get some conversions today and we just kind of force the Holy Spirit to do what we want and you've got to pray the sinner's prayer. And the problem is the sinner's prayer isn't in the Bible. And there's a lot of things that we just kind of pick up on in our human traditions that really turn into this word that we call legalism. When we start to mandate things that God never said, it's legalism. And the problem with all these things, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but usually what happens is we say that's the right way to do it, and really what we mean by right is whatever our experience has been. Let me say that again. When it comes to church and how we do church and how the Holy Spirit can work and all of those things, usually what we mean by right is what we're comfortable with or what our experience has been growing up. And the question is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, do we believe that God is big enough to reach people in all sorts of different ways as he did in the Holy Spirit? There's a story in the Old Testament where God spoke to somebody through a donkey. 
And there's another word for donkey. And if God can speak through up, he can do it any way he wants. Okay? <laughs> Amen? I'll just leave it up to your imagination, okay? Some of you are like, nope, church has got to be a certain way. Let me just remind you that you're sitting in a church right now. You're a part of a, a church family. The building is not the church. You're the church. We started meeting in an elementary school gym, and right now we are worshiping. We are worshiping in a former used Chevy dealership. So if you're stuck on tradition that it has to be a certain way, just let that sink in for a second. And God is changing lives all around us. We have to be careful that we don't put the God of the universe in a box that's limited to our understanding of God or our own experience and say, God, you can't work outside of that. And nobody knows that better than our friend named Nicodemus. If you've got your Bibles, I want to start in John chapter 3 this morning. John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have one, grab one from any of the kiosks around the worship center. You can pull out your Bible app on your phone, but I'd invite you to follow along. John chapter 3, Jesus is meeting with a Pharisee who are the religious leaders of the day. And the problem with Nicodemus is that Jesus had come and he was showing us what God is like, but Nicodemus had a box. And, and this is my experience with God. And the problem is Jesus was working outside of his box. He was nothing like Nicodemus expected. And so Nicodemus sneaks away and goes to see him at night. And he says, how can I be saved? How can I have a relationship with you, Jesus? And Jesus says, you must be born again. Now imagine hearing that for the first time, and Nicodemus says, I've already been born once from my mother's womb, how I can be born again. And this is what Jesus says. One of the things about Jesus you'll find in the scripture is that he would really probably frustrate you because he never answers your question. He always answers your question with another question, which actually forces you to get to the real question. You following me there? So this is what Jesus says, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Just as the wind blows however it wants, so Jesus says it is with the Holy Spirit. Let's just read that top line, that first verse there together in the yellow. Let's read that together. The wind blows wherever it wants. Let's read it one more time. The wind blows wherever it wants. So I know it's summer uh, time, and some of you, and I see you doing this with the bulletin uh, once in a while, so I just thought I'd cool you off uh, a little bit. I'm getting glad you sat in the front, right? Now, I know this isn't a very powerful fan, but I just wanted to kind of cool things off a little bit and get some wind over this way. Okay, up there to the balcony, up there to the loft for everybody, okay? A little bit for you guys over here. Does that feel nice? Okay. Does that feel good for you guys right there? Okay, awesome. Just let that run and let the, let the Holy Spirit run. You can kind of feel it coming through the vents a little bit. So now what I need is a couple volunteers to help me gather up all of that wind. Can I have a couple volunteers help me gather? Nobody wants to, no, no, no. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Nobody wants to volunteer. Why? Because you can't put the wind in a box. You can't walk outside. Yesterday when it was storming and it was a little windy, you can't walk outside and say, wind, I want you to blow that way. I want you to do, I want you to move in this way and calm down here and blow a little bit more that way or a little bit more that way. Jesus says, so it is with my spirit. We don't need a bunch of Holy Spirit police running around saying God can only work in this way or, or in that way. It, it's like chasing the wind. It's like trying to gather up the wind and put it in a box. You can't put God in a box. And let me just say this. Some of you, when I say, are you experiencing the Holy Spirit this morning, you're saying no. I want to, but no. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons might possibly be because the Spirit does whatever it wants, because the Holy Spirit is God, 
Some of you are not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you refuse to let go of control. Some of you want things to be a certain way in your life. And when something comes along like the Holy Spirit that might ask you to do something that's way out of your comfort zone, that might ask you to make weekly worship a priority, it may ask you to start a life group or start a Bible study or start serving in some way, or go and invite your neighbor to church, or go and, and, and tell your neighbors about Christ, or whatever it is, You're like, well, that's not me. I, I don't know if I can do that. That just feels a little bit out of my box. So's the wind, Jesus says. So's the wind. God says, let the wind blow in your life. Let the wind blow. And so one ditch is that we forget about the Holy Spirit, and sometimes as Lutherans, we tend to do that. And the other ditch is that we kind of force it, we want the Holy Spirit to be a certain way. Jesus, the good news is Jesus says there's a third way. And it's right down the middle of that road. And it's something at Hope that we like to call naturally supernatural. Everybody say naturally. naturally. Say supernatural. <laughs> supernatural. Those are two words you normally don't hear together. So what do we mean by that? We're not in that ditch. We're not in that ditch. What would it look like to be naturally supernatural? To be people that are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, not just showing up at worship and going through the motions and doing my thing and leaving, but we're experiencing God in a very real and personal way, the same way that they did in the Bible reading that was read for us this morning. That we're experiencing the same miracles. If you don't think that there's miracles today, there was a couple in our Hope family last night. There was a lady that had been back issues for years, and they prayed over her last night, and it was healed. If you don't think that that happens, <laughs> you're reading your Bible and you're saying, well, that only happens in some ways. We're not inviting the power of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if we could experience that same power and share our faith with the same courage as you read about in the Bible? What we call supernatural things and yet do it in a way that is so completely normal and authentic to who we are, that is just a natural overflow of who we are. You all have people in your life, I bet, that when you're around them, you're like, man, they are so real. You know what I mean? They're not fake. They're so real. They're so genuine. What if that could be paired with somebody that's on fire for God? Put those two things together, and you have somebody that's naturally supernatural. And yet God does through things through me that I can't explain. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Naturally supernatural. That's what we're after. In fact, I remember it was the, either the first or second year that we started as a church, and we were just starting out meeting over at Hubble Elementary School, and there was a guy named Michael that I met that was there for about a year. He since moved on and, and, and moved to a different town, but I tell you this story. Michael grew up in the church. I think like a lot of you grew up in the church and kind of went through the motions and all of that. We have a lot of people here that, that did that, and yet this Holy Spirit thing was like, I don't know, John. It's just this is kind of for those crazy Christians, you know, that get all crazy. And I, I just don't want to be that. Well, Michael was that guy until the Holy Spirit started to move in his life and change him. And he started to get connected. He started serving and growing and, and leading. And one day he was in one of our men's groups that was meeting in somebody's home. And I remember these guys telling me this story is they just, they were studying the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts like we are today. And they said, we're just going to pray over you. It's going to lay hands on you because he was just feeling empty. He was just down and out and say, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you up. And they prayed for him. I wasn't there. They were just telling me about it. And he comes the next Sunday, and it was like this wind had just blown through his life. 
And he's like, John, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I've never been more passionate about God. And I used to watch him. I used to watch him during worship, and he was one of those guys that would just be like, yeah, I'm a guy, so I don't really show emotion, and I don't really get into it, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, say the words, but I'm not really going to sing. And all of a sudden, this guy wasn't like over-the-top, weird Holy Spirit stuff. He was just so normal. It was just so natural. And I remember what he said to me. It wasn't like, John, I started handling snakes or speaking in tongues or all these wild and crazy things, which there's a place for speaking in tongues. That's good. We'll get to that in a minute. But I'll never forget what he said. Usually not my experience with the Holy Spirit. He said, John, I've never felt more like myself. Some of you have this myth or this lie that you're believing in my head. If I give full control to God, that he's going to change me, and then I'm not going to be who I am. And I don't want to lose control of who I am. But what Michael said was that I've never felt more normal. The more we get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we actually become who God originally intended us to be. Isn't that amazing? It's not like God's wanting us to become something different than he, who he created us to be. I've never felt more like myself. And every single one of you, I guess, has one of those stories. Or some experience in your life where, like, that's when it got real for me. Or a moment when you just experienced the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. That's why we're doing this, this uh, selfie thing out in the lobby, just to share those stories and share your testimony. You're all on your phones anyway. I see you, right? And you're all taking selfies because I follow you on social media. So take a selfie and build the kingdom of God, okay? Take it out there and share. Uh, do the hashtag fired up for Jesus and share your testimony. That's why we're doing that. Now, some of you are still thinking, though, okay, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's like, what exactly is the Holy Spirit? Is this just something we created? Nope. It's actually all over Scripture. If you have your Bibles, go all the way back to the beginning, and we're actually going to take a jet tour through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we'll be out of here by 2 p.m., okay? So you ready for that? I'm just, I'm just kidding. We're going to hop around. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then let's read this together up on the screen. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit was present at creation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all there together. It's important to know that the Holy Spirit isn't some like junior varsity member of the Trinity or something like that. The Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is a being. God is a being. The Holy Spirit is not some fog that comes and lands on certain people or necessarily a wind that blows through. It's, it's a being. It, 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 uh, it, the revelation of the Holy Spirit sometimes is, is fire and wind, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the first thing I want you to know is we're kind of following the trajectory of the Holy Spirit throughout creation. Is some of you just think, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, that was that thing that showed up in the 70s. A little bit before then, the Holy Spirit was present at creation. That's the first thing that we know. It was here a long time before any of us got here. God's spirit was also active in the Old Testament. It's not just a New Testament thing. If you've taken our Alpha class here at Hope, which I highly recommend, you know that the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament, but here's a great way to remember it. The spirit in the Old Testament was given to particular people at particular times for particular tasks, meaning God was calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things, just as he is today. 
And so whether it was Moses or Gideon or Esther, God takes these ordinary people and gives them a task of something that they can't do on their own. By the way, if your mission in life is something that you can do on your own, you need a bigger mission. If your dream in life is something you can accomplish without God, you need a bigger dream. God is calling you to something so much more, particular people at particular times for particular tasks. So the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament, not only at creation, and then God does something incredible towards the end of the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel, which I know you've all been reading because it's one of your favorite Bible study books. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God gives this incredible promise. Let's read it together up on the screen. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God makes this incredible promise. It used to just be for particular people, particular times, particular tasks. But now God is promising the Holy Spirit. So it was present at creation, but it was also promised by the Father. And we know that God is a God who keeps his promises. And if there was any doubt about that, that's exactly what he does in the book of Acts. So now we're up to where our Bible reading was for today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus has come back from the dead. All the believers were together, just like we are here this morning, and this is what we read. On the day of Pentecost, everybody say Pentecost. Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty house fan, windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked, get this, flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. So if you can imagine, you've got a whole crowd of people and everybody's talking at the same time in a completely different language. It would sound like maybe these people had had a good time the night before, right? Hence comes one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture, the most deeply theological verses in all of Scripture. Somebody yells out, hey, these men must be drunk. And his buddy goes to him, I don't know who these guys are. The Bible doesn't say he elbows them and says, nope, these men are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. It's hilarious. It's in the Bible. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what you may not know is that today is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate it every year in the church. It's Pentecost Sunday. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm so glad you came. Tell him that right now. I'm so glad that you came. It's Pentecost Sunday. Some of you are like, that's why I shot out of bed like a tongue of fire this morning. It's Pentecost, right? 50 days after Passover. And so these followers of Jesus are literally set on fire and there's this violent wind again. And afterwards, Peter stands up and starts to preach and reminds them of the prophecy from Joel chapter 2, where God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Everybody say, all people. people. That includes you. Let me just pause there for a second. Some of you are like, that's awesome Bible story. (laughs) It's about you. All people, the Holy Spirit, present at creation, promised by the Father, and now available for all. Everybody say all. All, All, and that includes you. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. We live in a culture, in a world, in a nation right now that loves to divide people up and say, you're over there and you're over there. 
The Holy Spirit unites us, young and old, rich and poor, different nationalities and ethnicities. We see in, in, in Acts 2, right there, people start speaking in their own languages, different church backgrounds, denominations. Some of you have been following Jesus for years. Some of you have been following Jesus for a few weeks, and you're here this morning. God's presence unites us, but the Spirit is available for all, and it can live inside of you. For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in you. That's why one of the goofy things about being a pastor, because you all have different church backgrounds, some of you came from a background where you really, really lifted up the pastor and you put him on this high pedestal that was sort of unattainable and above everybody else because he's the dude up front wearing a robe that talks at everybody all the time and he's the only one that prays. And sadly, sadly, that's one of those legalistic human-made things that we've believed that says only the dude up front can pray. I want to remind you of this this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, The same Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Not just Pastor John, not just the worship leader, not just the church staff, not just a missionary, not just the Pope, not just Mother Teresa, not just Billy Graham, you. And so when people come up to me and say, Reverend Annenson, Pastor John, like I appreciate that. You can call me Pastor, you can call me John, just don't call me late for dinner, but you can call me whatever you want. And they say, Pastor John, I'm really struggling with this, can you pray for me? And I always respond, absolutely. And maybe I'll start doing this more, but every ounce of me, because I long for you to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. When they say, Pastor John, can you pray for me? I want to say, parishioner Bob. <clears throat> Church going, Mary. I want to look at him and say, you know what? I will pray for you, but I would love for you to pray with me. And I would love for you to pray because you know what? You may not feel very confident with it, but God loves it when you pray. I don't need to come to the hospital room and pray for healing for your loved one that's sick. You can do it, and God can heal them. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. And I love to do hospital visits, and I love to come to your homes, and I love to pray for you. But you have the same power living in you. That's when the Holy Spirit takes its work. Not when it bottlenecks with one pastor up front, but when the body of Christ is set on fire and realizes we can literally change the world. Just as these 12 disciples did, they literally changed the world because they believed what Jesus told them. God loves it when you pray. Okay, that's great. The Bible is through all of Scripture. It's available for me. But you're like, where is it? Right? If it's not the wind, like, I can't see the Holy Spirit. Is it imaginary? What is it? This is where having a five-year-old really comes in handy because I realize when I teach my son things, I'm like, that's what I need to teach the congregation because I think we all will remember it in that way. Kids learn through actions and they learn through songs. And so when I taught Caleb, our five-year-old, about where is God, we have this silent thing where we just look at each other and we wink and we go like this. Okay? And that means, where's God? everywhere and in here, right? You're, you think it's cheesy, but you're going to remember it when you go home, right? So let's all do it together. Shake it out. Pretend you're not Lutheran for a second, right? Where is God? Everywhere and in here, right? So let's take those apart. God is everywhere. Psalm 139, Jesus, or not Jesus, David says, God, where can I go from your presence? There's nowhere you can go that the Holy Spirit isn't already there. Some of you have divided up your life into sacred and secular components, when I show up at Hope Des Moines on Sunday, man, the Spirit is there. But when I go home, 
And I'm in the middle of that argument with my spouse for the 500th time. It's like, God, where are you? Oh, wait a minute. He's right there. When you're home again and you're lonely, wondering if anybody cares about you, guess where the Holy Spirit is? Right there. When you're at that party that you're questioning whether you should be there or not with all of your unchristian friends and you're like, I'm the awkward church person here. God's totally not here. He's right there. When you're struggling with your finances, when you're struggling with your kids, when you're at the ball game watching your kids play, wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is right there. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Don't forget that. There's not places you can go where like, well, God's there, God's in the church building, but he's not somewhere else. God's holding the universe in the palm of his hand, and you're telling me that he's regulated to the four walls of a church building in Des Moines, Iowa? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. So where is God? Everywhere. And where else is God? In here. For those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's an easy way to understand the Holy Spirit. If Jesus were here and living inside of you, it's, that's what it is. It's God's presence inside of you, closer than you can imagine. And that was the case for a member of our Hope family named Jeremy. Jeremy's been around for a long time, and you might recognize him because, well, he's got long hair, and so he gets to play Jesus in all of our skits. <laughs> but he's got an incredible story, and he's just got a short story that he wants to share about the, the power of the Holy Spirit that shows up in a very real and personal way for him. Let's take a look. A few years ago, I had just gotten divorced. We had just signed the papers, didn't feel the energy to go to work, so I went and sat down on this empty park bench. I remember watching people walk around thinking, wonder if their lives are falling apart or if their lives are put together. Just wondering if they knew how much pain I was in. I was so, I was so inward focused and self, selfish at that time. Noticed this old guy, um, it looked like he was homeless, his clothes were dirty, so he came up, sat down next to me, and I sort of turned away from him, didn't even look at him. And when he was talking, I remember just this feeling of heat transfer from him to the bench and over to me. I was just overwhelmed by this sense of peace and feeling like things were gonna be okay. So I turned to look at this, this man who had changed everything about my disposition in that moment. And he, he got up to leave, he said, have a great day, I said, Thanks you too. And as he walked away, I just felt this sense of, of loss. I wanted him to come back. I was just longing for him to sit there next to me. I just remember thinking that, I think Jesus just came up and sat down next to me, um, saw my pain, saw my frustration, saw my hurt and my brokenness, and just showed up and changed it in an instant, changed me. Um, and I think that was the, one of the first seeds of faith that that Jesus planted in my heart. If you want to know the definition of the Holy Spirit, it's that. It's like Jesus just came and sat down next to me. Sometimes we make this whole thing about being a Christian so utterly complicated. It's like Jesus came and sat down next to me and felt my pain. Some of you walked in here this morning and you really need to hear that. He's sitting right next to you. 
I know, you're packed in. There's no room for him. He's right there. He's sitting right next to me. And what I love about Jeremy's story is that it wasn't crazy. It wasn't flashy. He felt something so real, but it was so natural. I mean, you might even say naturally supernatural. I just, I just felt this peace come over me. But he was totally himself, and yet the Spirit was moving. Some of you have a lot of insecurities, and you're really worried this morning because you're saying, I, I, I feel like I've experienced God, but I haven't gotten those, like, warm, tingly feelings, you know, and, and I'm not one of those people that, like, dances or waves my arms and worship, and, and I haven't gotten those goosebumps or that, that, you know, that amazing feeling or whatever it is. I haven't had the emotions, and you get really insecure around that because you think, like, well, maybe God's not real for me yet. It's really important that we remember that sometimes the feelings and the emotions come, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes, like Jeremy, it was just that sense of peace. Remember, God is making you more and more like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's the kind of the next question where I want to land this morning is what does the Holy Spirit do? There's so many things. I want to just walk through a few. The first one is this, and Jeremy alluded to it. It produces fruit in our lives. It produces fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, right? A good tree produces good fruit. They're the fruits of the Spirit. If you're exuding love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control in your life, there's a good chance you're filled with the Holy Spirit. We make it so complicated at times. You know what people that are filled by the Holy Spirit, you know what they always do? They love people really well. Some people think, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get on my high horse and say how gifted and skilled I am at being a Christian, and I'm really smart, I'm really good at all these things. You know what people that are filled with the Holy Spirit do? They're humble. They're teachable. They admit when they're wrong because they're so broken, and they know that they need the Holy Spirit because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there is no room for you, baby. And they love people really well. That's what happens when the Spirit takes over. So the Spirit produces fruit in our lives. The second thing that the Spirit does is it produces passion. Everybody say passion. It produces passion for Jesus and his mission. Passion. Some of you, I could ask you this morning, like, what are you passionate about? You know, what do you love? If you had a free weekend, if you had a free day, if you had a free month, to do whatever you wanted. What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? What do you lay awake at night thinking about? When you're daydreaming, what do you think about? What do you love the most in your life? To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that above any of those things, Jesus, when you're filled up with his Holy Spirit, you're going to ooze and overflow with passion for one thing, and that's Jesus and the people that he loves. You ever around certain people that are Christians and you're like, yeah, you don't really look that much different from anybody else. And then you're around other Christians and you just hang out with them for a little while and you're like, I don't know what it is about you, but I want that. <laughs> you ever been around one of those people? Like they just, it's not necessarily like outward passion. It's just like they make you want to love Jesus. I don't know the Jesus that you know, but I want to know that Jesus because it's so real and it's authentic and you're so passionate about it. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be passionate about Jesus and his mission. There was a study done several years ago in this study called Natural Church Development. And these guys uh, that are kind of church geeks, church nerds, wrote this whole book about it. And they study statistics and all these things. And they interviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of churches and people in those churches about what is it that makes a growing, healthy church. Some of you, if people come to us and say, what is it about hope? Why is hope growing so much? And they list out these 13 different characteristics 
that a church can do to be growing and healthy. And you would think at the top of that list, it would be, man, just be awesome preaching or be, you know, an awesome worship leader that has a faux hawk and skinny jeans. You know, it'd be awesome, you know, to bring it in or whatever. You know, they've got the fog machine or they've got awesome lights or whatever it is. Donut holes, right? What are the things that really make a church healthy? You want to know what the number one thing is? Passionate spirituality. People in churches that don't fake it. Because you can smell fake, can't you? But you can also see real when you see it. That's why some churches grow and some churches don't. It's the people in the building. It's a get-to, not a got-to. Coming to worship is a get-to, not a got-to. That's what I love about you as a church. We have a full house and it's the end of May, right? Because God doesn't take the summer off and neither do we, right? And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as I know that so many of you are, it's not a second thought to invite somebody. I I met five of you this morning that you invited your neighbors here this morning. That's awesome. That's what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and Christianity becomes real. We don't go through the motions. We get involved and we, we don't think about, hmm, should I serve or not? It's like telling an apple tree, should I produce apples or not? It's just what you do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a show, it's real. So the Spirit bears fruit in our lives. It brings passion for Jesus. The Spirit also guides us. It guides us. Jesus says this in John 14, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. If you knew that you had the wisest, most loving, generous being in the universe literally inside you at all times, would you talk to him a little bit more? (laughs) Some of you are up against it this morning. Some of you have a really big decision to make. Grad school, a house, a job, changing jobs, taking taking a job, with your relationships, with your marriage, with your finances, with kids, whatever it is. And here's what I see in myself, I'm calling myself out on this, and a lot of people around me. Here's what we do when we have a big decision to make. We stress, we freak out, we take a poll on Facebook, we stress, we freak out some more, and then as a last-ditch effort, I guess I'll pray about it. The God of the universe is living inside of you. That's fine. Put out a poll on Facebook. Ask other people what you should do. Ask your friends. But have you asked your good and loving father that knows you better than anyone else? God says, I've got eternity handled for you. Don't you think that I can take care of your next week? I've got it. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit transforms us. The Spirit guides us. But among other things, the Spirit gives us gifts. There's spiritual gifts that the Spirit pours out. We're going to cover those in a few weeks that God produces in our lives. And last but not least, the Spirit brings power. Everybody say power. 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 Back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. If you've been around for any length of time, you know that it has been a spirit-filled, power-filled 10 years. In a couple weeks here at the end of June, you probably saw it in your bulletin, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary as a church. It was June of 2008. Yeah, praise God for that. Absolutely. It's been a powerful 10 years. We've seen hundreds of people come to faith, hundreds of people be baptized, saved from addiction, gone on to be missionaries and pastors, people that have found their callings, marriages be healed, sicknesses be cured. We've partnered with over 26 organizations and nonprofits, both both locally and globally, and right here in our city. And that's just a a sampling. (laughs) 
There's no way that happens without something bigger than us. You are not just coming to a worship service. You are a part of a movement, folks. And Jesus says, come be a part of it. My power, my Holy Spirit is available here. And my question for us, as a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer it out loud, but my rhetorical question for us this morning is, are you hungry for more? I don't want to be the kind of church that looks back and says, well, our best days were behind us. I want to be the kind of church that's always looking to the future saying, God, we want more of you. Amen? We want more of you. God, we're not going to settle for our current experience of you. We want more of you. And so we started today by asking a simple question. Is it in you? Is it in you? Is God's spirit in you? Some of you are like, yeah, but it doesn't feel like that fire that they talked about in Acts. Some of you are like, if I could describe the Holy Spirit inside of me these days, it's like that. Or it just doesn't work. But it's like that. It's just like a little pilot light. And here's Jesus' promise for you this morning. Not just with a box fan. He wants to come in with the mighty wind and the power of the Holy Spirit and fan that flame and make it a giant raging fire. Some of you are feeling lost and disconnected. Your, your faith has been active before, but you stopped leading. You stopped growing. You stopped serving. Some of you are here today and you haven't been to church in a year. And we say it all the time and we believe it. It is no accident that God brought you here today. Because he says, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. After our Saturday service and our 11 o'clock service, if you want to come back, we're having a grill out. And I was thinking about having a grill out, and this time of year, well, reminds me of my grilling story from 2016. There I was in the backyard just grilling it up a little bit, and, you know, we're a pastor's family, and so we've got a $99 special grill from Walmart. And we're out there, and I'm, it, it, it does pretty well, but because it's older and it's got some grease on the bottom of it, it likes to start on fire from time to time. And so I'm out grilling some chicken, and our five-year-old son, Caleb, that I told you about before, is out playing in the backyard. My wife's out there, and so it's all good and everything. And, and he's out there, and he comes running in, and he says, Daddy, 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 there's a fire in the grill. And I go, oh, you know, that's cute. He doesn't understand it. You know, there's fire in a grill, and it's cooking the food. He doesn't get it. Okay, and I said, you know, child, shoo, go back out and play. Like, you don't understand. So he goes out, back out and play, and I'm like, it's chicken. It's thick. It's going to take a while. About five or seven minutes later, he comes running back in. Daddy, 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 no, the whole grill is on fire. <laughs> and I'm like, Caleb, you don't understand. Go play. It's cooking food. Just go mind your own business, Okay. It's good. It's going to take a while. 160 degrees for that puppy. It's going to take a while, okay? Five minutes later, comes running back in. Daddy, I think the house is going to start on fire. So I'm like, maybe I should check it out. So I walk out into the deck, and this is what I see. Now, as a disclaimer, that is not our actual grill. That is a picture that I got from Google, but it looked like that. <laughs> out of control, this raging, consuming fire. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. Some of you, the Holy Spirit in your life is like that. And Jesus says, you can have that inside of you, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, completely normal, completely authentic to who you are. Some of you are saying, I want that, but how do I get it? It's very simple. You ask him. 
Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You ask him. And I want to challenge some of you this morning that have not put your faith in Jesus Christ to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up for the very first time. Why put off to tomorrow what's eternally significant today? Maybe for the first time. And for some of you, it's this. And God wants to fan that flame in your heart. And he wants to fill you up. Some of you are empty and he wants to fill you up again. And you can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up every single day. He's living there. But Jesus wants it to be a raging, consuming fire that takes over all of you, all of your life. And so we're going to do that today. I thought about whether to do this or not because I know we don't always do this and we're Lutheran Church of Hope and we have our things. But you know what? It's in the Bible. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to invade this place and invade our hearts. So we're going to sing a song, but first I want to invite all of you to stand and we're going to pray together. And we've got the lights down so you don't have to worry about anybody around you. Nobody's, it's just between you and God. And if you feel comfortable, sometimes as in worshipers, we do outward expressions to symbolize something that we want to do on the inside, and that's opening ourselves to God. And so to open our hearts, if you're comfortable, I just invite you to lift up your hands like this and just open up your hands. It's okay. It's in the Bible. It's good. Safe. And all we're saying is, come Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to go through the motions. We want more of you. no place that we would rather be than in your presence, God. And we acknowledge that we have avoided your work in our lives for far too long. And we just say, come Holy Spirit. Move in this place. Move in our nation, God. Move in our city in this church, and in our hearts. God, some of us need your healing this morning, and we just pause, and we say, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, and heal. Physical pain, emotional baggage, emotional pain, Holy Spirit, come and heal. God, marriage is not easy. And I'm, I'm just feeling that there's probably some marriages in here that are on the rocks. Holy Spirit, come and heal. Holy Spirit, we're desperate for you. In our homes, in our families, in our schools. God, I pray that we would be a church that comes every week expectant for you to change lives. And right now we pray that you would come and if there's anyone here this morning, God, that has never experienced you before, that has never invited you in, God, Holy Spirit, come and fill them up right now. And Jesus, there's some of us here this morning 
that it's just a small flame. God, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us up. We don't want to settle for going through the motions as Christians. We want more of you. So come like a wind. Come like a fire. We pray that together as we worship you, as we sing to you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.